Welcome back to Is It Pompey Disease? Exploring Australian cases on the Hereditary Disease Pod. In this three-part instalment, neurologist and co-author of the current Pompey Disease Consensus recommendations, Professor Merrilee Needham, illustrates the broad clinical spectrum of Pompey Disease, a rare but treatable neuromuscular disorder. In this episode, she presents the diagnostic workup of a patient with chronic elevated creatine kinase. Case two is Mr. MP. This man presented at the age of 36 years old, and he initially presented with his GP with very non-specific symptoms of increasing fatigue, exercise intolerance, and shortness of breath on exertion. His GP ran a series of blood tests, and he was found to have an elevated CK on these blood tests, and then he was sent to us. So just looking at multiple studies that have been published from around the world, looking at the prevalence of Pompey's disease, if you find hyper-CKemia on blood tests, and you can see there's a little bit of variability, but on average in around 2.5% of people presenting with hyper-CKemia, they will have Pompey's disease. The converse of this is that 95% of patients with late onset Pompey's disease will have an elevated CK. So the, you'll pick up the vast majority uh, with a, a CK screen, but not everybody. So I guess this raises the question of who should be screened for Pompey's disease. And it's a very easy test. It's just a dry blood spot test that you can do uh, even at the bedside in the clinic. We're doing a current study in Australia looking um, to see if we can identify the prevalence of Pompey's disease in our population. So we're looking at all adult patients with either asymptomatic or poorly symptomatic hyper-CKemia. And we've defined that as more than one and a half times the upper level of normal. We're also looking to see um, if we can identify a really useful diagnostic algorithm for patients with asymptomatic and poorly symptomatic hyper-CKemia. And in particular, what are the red flags clinically that would suggest that further investigation may be required? So what's my approach to hyper-CKemia at the moment? If there's an isolated reading of a CK that's more than one and a half times the upper level of normal, and that's recognising the fact that the normal range is really uh, the median plus minus uh, two standard deviations. So by definition, 5% of the normal population will rest outside the normal limits set for your population. The first thing I do is confirm a high CK uh, about a month later. And I always ask my patients to avoid at least a few days, if not a week of strenuous exercise. And by that, I mean heavy weight lifting kind of exercise with the eccentric muscle contraction that'll really drive the CK up. Then I, uh, first of all, consider all non-neuromuscular causes of hyper-CKemia. So we look at their thyroid functions. I look at what drugs and medications they might be taking. And I also check for a family history, not just of high CK, but any family history of neuromuscular disorders or a history suggestive of malignant hypothermia with anaesthetics. If there's any of these um, suggestions of a family history, I might go straight to genetic testing at that point. But mostly uh, people don't aren't aware of their family histories of any of these things if they're the index case. So the very next test I do is a Pompey's blood spot. And that's again because of the statistics from around the world that suggest that two and a half percent of patients with a proven hyper-CKemia will end up having Pompey's disease. And again, it's a cheap and easy test to do, and it's a treatable disorder, so it's one we don't want to miss. If this is negative and the CK is more than three times the upper level of normal, I'd probably go straight to genetic testing at that point. Uh, and again, I use a targeted neuromuscular panel with next-gen sequencing. 
If it's between one and a half and three times normal, if they're female, I might send them for a dystrophin MLPA to make sure they're not a carrier of a dystrophinopathy. If they're young, less than 25 years old, but they've only got a CK between one and a half and three times, again, I'll go straight to genetic testing because they're much more likely statistically to have uh, an inherited neuromuscular disorder. If there are symptoms suggestive of a metabolic uh, muscle disease like exercise-induced pain or exercise intolerance, I might go on and do some metabolic testing. And in particular, I might do a fasting carnitine profile or I might do a forearm test if I'm suspicious of mercadals. And if these are negative, I might then go on and either do genetic testing or a muscle biopsy, depending on my level of suspicion of a genetic cause. Finally, if I'm really unsure and the patient doesn't fit into any of these brackets, I'll probably do an EMG. I find it a bit more sensitive than my clinical examination in picking up myopathic potentials. And if I find anything abnormal, I'll either then decide to go on to either do a muscle biopsy or genetic testing, again, depending on my level of suspicion of an inherited disorder. So that's really my general approach to um, a patient that is sent to me from their GP with a hyper-CKemia, plus minus some neuromuscular symptoms. So Mr. MP had hyper-CKemia confirmed on multiple tests and his level of CK was between 500 and 700. No other cause was found. His thyroid function tests were normal, but his Pompey's blood spot again confirmed a low enzyme activity. And in him, we again went straight to genetic testing to confirm the diagnosis. In him, I also always do spirometry and his force vital capacity was 50% of predicted. And when you asked him specifically, he did complain of excessive daytime somnolence. So he was commenced on non-invasive ventilation to help with that. Again, you'll notice that there was a significant delay to diagnosis from the time when he presented with quite non-specific symptoms of exercise induced tolerance and increasing shortness of breath on exertion to the, to the point where he was diagnosed. And again, another key lesson is the presentation of late onset Pompey's disease as hyper-CKemia. And just taking note that again, Pompey's disease probably accounts for about two and a half percent of people who are found to be um, hyper-CK on blood testing. So the take-home lesson in this case, I think, is just to remember in your uh, workup of hyper-CKemia, I think to perform a Pompey's blood spot in all cases of hyper-CKemia. And in particular, if it's combined with any suggestion of respiratory muscle weakness, or muscle uh, limb girdle pattern weakness or axial muscle weakness, because that would further increase your suspicion for uh, muscle disease like Pompey's disease. And again, we don't want to miss a treatable muscle disease. Thank you for joining us for this important case study example of Pompey disease. For more information about testing for Pompey disease, please visit sanofigenzymeonline.com.au forward slash diagnostics. And don't forget to check the episode notes for resources, references and links. Please join us next time as we continue to examine Pompey disease and how it can be identified and diagnosed earlier using Australian case studies.